I'm Buddy Martin, and this is the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. Well, he's not in Tampa or Sarasota. He's not in Columbus or Dublin. He is actually in the mountains as he speaks. Coach Urban Meyer joining us again this week for our regular broadcasts, which we enjoy doing with Coach Meyer because it celebrates college football. The best Fridays in football with Urban Meyer. Coach, it was quite an interesting weekend. A lot of points put up there by a lot of teams and yardage. A lot of points, and we were deep in it now because you saw teams that uh, two major upsets, LSU going down and then also Oklahoma. Um, you saw some teams that, you know, I, I, I made the prediction and we, we had great conversation about the teams with returning quarterbacks, returning systems that, you know, potentially could thrive. And that's what you saw with the Florida Gators. You saw uh, Trask in a system that Coach Mullins put in place, performed at a very high level against a defense that wasn't very good. I, I knew that going into it because I talked to a couple coaches in Ole Miss. They're just not quite where they need to be defensively. But regardless, you saw some uh, really, really good performances Saturday. Well, you did make some comments about it on the podcast last time about who might struggle, and you predicted the fact that Georgia may have some quarterback problems, which was true. But before we get to that, since we're talking about Florida Ole Miss, uh, number one, I know you saw the highlights, maybe not the whole game. Give me your assessment of how Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts hooked up and what's ahead for those guys. It looks like one of the best passing combinations in Gator history. Yeah, I think it's early to say that, uh, you know, obviously when you look at the Spurrier regime and then when Tebow was there that, you know, and even, uh, you know, Spurrier as a player, you go back to some incredible uh, performances, uh, throwing the ball. Florida has always been known for the school that throws it. Uh, not always, but I mean, Steve Spurrier made it the school. So I think Pitts will be the best tight end in America. Dan Mullen told me that this summer. You look at his body type, he's really a wide receiver playing uh, tight end position. He reminds me of Cornelius Ingram when we moved him from quarterback to wide receiver and just a mismatch for people because, you know, normally you have a strong safety or linebacker covering the tight end. And, and you saw Saturday that, that that's, a, that's a nightmare for a defense. Well, it's going to be this year apparently, and there were a lot of yards put up. But on the subject of Ole Miss and defense and the issues and – their defensive coordinator is one of your former assistants, um, and and people are looking, saying, "What was DJ Durkin trying to do there?" And, and give us a little assessment of you kind of discovered DJ Durkin back when. Yeah, DJ was my graduate assistant at, at uh, Bowling Green, and uh, hired him down at Florida. He was very close with uh, Quinn when he was there, the, and they stayed with uh, Coach Muschamp when they came in. So excellent coach. Uh, we got was the head coach of Maryland, and, and uh, they had that terrible situation where a player died at a workout. Um, obviously, that was nothing to do with his part, but he had uh, you know, there was a lot of issues there. They moved on, and, and now he's at Ole Miss. I knew going into the game uh, after speaking with him and also Reggie Bush had Lane Kiffin on the phone talking about the youth on defense and experience on defense. So um, we expected – you know, them to struggle, but not like that. You know, that was a demolition. You know, uh, Florida did really a nice job. And Trask, I made the comment, Trask is a really good quarterback. He has to become a great quarterback, and I think he's on that journey right now if he continues. It's going to get a little more difficult, though. 
I know you haven't done a film study, and I hate to get technical, and I've only seen what I've seen, and I'm not an expert, but it seems like he's landed on his feet, which he's worked on. It seems like he was very precise in where he was going. His reads, I know there was a one particular uh, uh, analyst that went on and showed his reads. Florida Youth ran the same play 10 times, um, Mullen ran it, and 8 out of 10, there were completions uh, by Trask, uh, and he seems to what they're saying is he's able to be able to do is get through his progressions. Talk about what that means to receivers, knowing that if you run your route, there's a good chance you might get the ball. What does that do to a passing offense? Passing offense is, is so much more difficult to put in and install really than a run offense. There's so much involved. And when you start having confidence by the receivers, knowing that you have a quarterback that can deliver the ball to you at any time, effort it will be outstanding because they know they have to be on point you know when when you have a quarterback that's kind of a focuses on one receiver and has a hard time getting through his reads a lot of times you'll see when the receiver knows it's not coming his way uh or a group of receivers not play as hard as they have but with this kid i think he's he gets through his like someone i think you just said he gets through his progression rather quickly i did i watched the highlights rather closely the other thing he does is he puts the ball away from the defender uh, and that means you saw Pitts make some incredible catches, but it was also the ball was thrown away from the defender covering Pitts. So, uh, you know, once again, I, I think you, I think, you know, Gator Nation, a lot of fans will get just calm down for a minute. You know, there's a lot of games left, and they played a very poor defense. Uh, reality is, though, they have two very talented players. More than that, very talented offense, talented group of receivers with Grimes, and then also uh, Pitts. So... Well, of course, so, uh, it's, it's the job of guys like me to over to overreact. So I, <laughs> I'm ready to put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but just one more quick question about Trask and of uh, and what you see there on the other side of the ball. I've had some conversations with former coaches and former quarterbacks, what have you, about taking that away. Now, in my understanding, is obviously if you try to take that away, you leave something else open. Florida has, unbeknownst a lot of people, some very good young receivers, which you saw show up on Saturday. The question becomes now, if you're on the other side of the ball, which you primarily haven't been in your career, you've been always on the offensive quarterback receiver side, uh, what are the opportunities? What do you do? And I know about the double coverage. He's shown he can beat that. Uh, how would, let's say, South Carolina, in your opinion, try to stop Trask, uh, and and Pitts in his new found passing combination. Well, when I was at Florida, we had uh, Ingram and we had Hernandez. You know, we had two very good uh, uh, receiving tight ends. Uh, when I was at Utah, we had a kid named Ben Moa uh, that was a very good player. And so what, what happens is you figure that the fourth best defensive player in coverage will normally be on your tight end especially if you have other quality receivers. You know, we had Percy, we had Murphy, we had Cooper. So it was hard for a defense to say, okay, we're going to match up our fourth best cover guy on your tight end. So they're going to be, there's a lot of game planning that's going to be going on. Do they play nickel? And if they do play nickel, um, then they're going to be susceptible to the run, you know, because now the tight end can also block. So that, that's a nightmare. Everyone looks for that hybrid player. And the hybrid player is a guy that can block but also run like a wideout. The hybrid player at the H-back position, Percy, was the perfect one. And he was a guy that can run like an outside receiver but also carry the ball in the backfield. 
So everyone are looking for those kind of players, and Florida's probably got the best in the country as a hybrid tight end. And that's a nightmare for a defense because, once again, that's usually your fourth-best cover guy. No one has a fourth-best cover guy that can cover a guy like Fitz. So they're going to have to move maybe the second or third best cover guy in there, and that's going to create another matchup somewhere else, nightmare for uh, for uh, the defense is trying to defend the Gators. And, of course, Dan, you're a former offensive coordinator. I'm sure he's already scheming about the counter move. You know, when they start taking it away or doubling or whatever, he's sure. got something else. And it seems like he's got a receiving core and a, and a running game. Maybe we'll see how that goes. Like you say, it's just one game, long way to go. And do you still stand by your prediction that everybody's going to lose two games in the SEC? I do. LSU already has one. You know, right now, when you watched Saturday's games, Florida and Alabama look like the class of the SEC. You know, Auburn looked decent. Uh, they still have a, they have a returning quarterback, returning system. Georgia looked a mess, but they have the young JT Daniel from uh, USC is going to be uh, clear to play this week. So I think they'll get better. But once again, it's going to take a while. They're changing offenses, changing quarterbacks, and especially with the shortened uh, no spring practice and a shortened training camp, I, I, I think Florida just got to keep doing what they're doing. Once again, it's one game against a bad defense. And so it's going to get much tougher down the road. Couple more on the SEC, and then we'll shift to a couple other uh, parts of the country. Big Ten's going to come back. What they got three more weeks? Is that right? Before they they kick off? Yeah, end of end of October. Yeah, so end we'll, of October. Yeah, and we'll talk about a little bit about the Buckeyes and what you're hearing these days about that. Uh, let's get to let's get to KJ Costello. I mean, here's a guy who who torched LSU, defending champions for 623 yards. And, and Mike Leach proved he can coach in the SEC for those who didn't didn't think that was possible. Uh, so so get your finger to tell you, how does a guy like Costello come in like this, a transfer, get in Leach's offense and light up LSU for 623 yards passing? Yeah, that was a coach of the week for me. I mean, to think that he did that with this shortened amount of time. We had on Fox noon, uh, big noon kickoff, we had uh, the – the offense coordinator, Graham Harrell, who played, actually played for Leach. And we went through his offense. I've studied Mike. Mike Leach is one of my very best friends. And we've studied uh, his offense many times. And it's all about repetition, execution. And they, with a shortened time, a new quarterback, you know, and then they go do that against an LSU defense. I mean, that was incredible. Uh, the SEC better be on guard now. And that changed, you know, everyone thought, well, that will that really work, including myself, will that work against these great defenses? I mean, he had four turnovers and still threw for 620 yards, mm. and they put it on LSU. So I, I, I can only – Costello is a good player, though. We watched him at Stanford. Uh, we feel like he's an NFL quarterback. But that, that combination of Mike Leach, Mike Leach offense and Costello against LSU, that made everyone sit up in their chair and say, wait a minute now. This, this is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Urban brings a question up of how a guy like Mike Leach has a difficult time getting past uh, the screeners, shall we say. Uh, he interviewed for other jobs. Things came up in Tennessee, et cetera. <clears throat> and it, it seems like here's this guy sitting there for so long, you knew what he could do his mind because he's a different kind of guy. <clears throat> what does it take so long for people like Leach, and we'll see what he does at Mississippi State, off to a great start, to be able to break down the barrier and get through a chance to show what he can do. There are probably other Mike Leaches out there, but, boy, how do you get that word out? 
Well, it's, I think he gets the word out. I think the thing he's got to do is, is win a division. You know, the thing is that Mike Leach has never, uh, this was pointed out to us on the, uh, on the big noon kickoff, is that offense is very rare, you know, very unique. I want to say there's only a handful of teams in the country that do it. And at the end of the day, can that really win a championship? Can that offense, when you face an Alabama or you face a Florida or you face a team, you know, they just put it all over LSU, but LSU lost a lot of good players. So I think, you know, I think a little bit like when the spread first came in the SEC, everyone questioned, could you do it? And until you do it, you're going to continue to get questioned, can you do it? So, yes, every year they upset people, but at the end of the day, you know, you get paid to go win a championship. And now Mike Leach, can he go do it? You know, that's the question. Can that offense, same at you at Graham Harrell is running a very similar offense at USC. Can they go win the divisional championship and then the conference championship? Once that happens, then the, then the barrier is broken. You're wondering if Mississippi State's a one-hit wonder or if this is going to continue on. We'll find out more about that. But there were some surprises, obviously, which we left scratching our head. Before we shift over there, uh, just one more word about – I don't know if you saw the Texas A&M game uh, and saw what Vanderbilt did. I didn't see it on live TV, but I went back and watched the replay. I was kind of surprised – kind of surprised – this surprise that Vanderbilt had the ball with like five minutes to go down 17-12 with a chance to want to win that game. And Texas A&M missing a few players struggled to beat Vanderbilt. Does that mean anything? It certainly does. I mean, to me, Texas A&M, I put Texas A&M, Nebraska, and Arkansas really in the same category. Those are extremely proud top, at one point, top 15 programs. You think about when Nebraska, when Arkansas, and when uh, A&M were back where they should be in their conferences, you know, that had recruiting bases very close to their campus. The families could go watch and play. And then they made decisions to move on. And A&M has not recruited the way that A&M used to recruit. Same with Arkansas and same with Nebraska. It's because they moved conferences. So I, I just think the future A&M is going to be very questionable. It's a great place. They historically could almost get anyone they want in Texas. Now I've recruited in Texas and he really just don't feel A&M like he used to. And it's not, they have an excellent coach. They have good coaching staff and a great university. I just think when you move them from, you know, deep in Texas and now all of a sudden you're playing in the SEC West against Ole Miss, Mississippi, LSU, Alabama, and Auburn, you know, that, that fan base parents, you know, parents don't get to go see those kids play. When they used to play Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, TCU, you know, all the local schools in Texas, those families, that was Texas football. Now you moved them to the SEC West. And, and I just, I hope they do because I'm a big fan of A&M. I'm a big, I've coached down there a couple times. It's a unique place, incredible place. I'm, I'm worried about the future of A&M a little bit. Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. You've always talked about that and you were one of the best and that's what it's all about. But for a second, let's switch just one uh, one little thing on that. The recruiting is essential beyond that, of course. It's the lifeblood. You're on record as talking about that. And you've had top classes everywhere you've been. You've had the elite. But, but what about those schools that are just under that, the next level down? Or let's say Florida. Maybe not the elite right now. But it, sometimes doesn't it get lost? The development is so important of players. When you coached at Florida, I know, and probably did at Ohio State, you coach through your entire roster. You never stop coaching at the get the 105th player or whatever. You coach them all, and you all want to see them get better. How short-sighted is people who don't understand how critical development is? 
Well, it's the you know it's a virtuous cycle. It's the cycle that's you get them on campus, but then you got to develop them, <clears throat> and that's where guys like we were very blessed to have the best strength coach, best strength program in the country. And we we're in Florida, and that was Mickey Marotti. So we would recruit these elite players. But you're right. The next phase, it's the cycle is you develop them, and you have to have a very good plan. And I believe Dan has a plan, but you also when you start talking about SEC championship, national championship, it can't be good recruiting. It's got to be elite. It's got to be the best of the best, like you've seen Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, you know, the recent national champions. And when we were down at Florida, you know, you have to have those those guys like a Pitts. To me, Pitts is, the, is elite of elite. Is the rest of the roster like that? We're going to find out because, you know, Florida's had two very, very good seasons. But once again, the measuring stick at places like Florida is not very good. It's are you in Atlanta and then winning in Atlanta and headed to a national championship game. That's the expectation level. And the irony is the team they got to be is Georgia, who has all these quarterbacks, one of which went to Ohio State. Everybody said they got too many, and now they're down to a guy who was a walk-on. Stetson Bennett bailed them out on Saturday. He may get the call next game. And the irony of it is you have all these players, this talent, and it comes down to a guy like Stetson Bennett you have to go to to make it work. Yeah, Georgia right now is, to me, an enigma. They, they think Justin Fields, you know, it was a little bit, I hear the same criticism we when we had um, Joe Burrow and he went to LSU. Um, you know, we had a guy named Dwayne Haskins that came in. It was a, another first-round draft pick, so you had two first-rounders there. Uh, Georgia, I watched them play. I watched the highlights. I knew the guy that, Dwan Mathis, that came out of Detroit, very talented guy, but not ready to play at that level. Yeah, he, you know, he has a long way to go. And then JT Daniel could be a difference maker. I mean, he was very good at USC. So that, that, and it's changing offenses. I, I'm, I'm worried about their offense. Yeah, it looks like clearly you said last week and uh, have said that the quarterback situation has got to resolve itself. We'll see whether JT Daniels can be that guy. Uh, let's talk a minute for about uh, the SEC's back, uh, obviously. Uh, but they're going to be limited capacities uh, around the country. Uh, you know, you got Florida where they're only going to be able to get 15,000 in there. Some fans, I mean, you know, you're in some places you hardly hear them. Other places are pretty loud. Um, and add this in. LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Missouri, and South Carolina all lost at home, Urban. Has the home advantage disappeared? Oh, it's, yeah, the home advantage without fans. I mean, imagine going to LSU at night back in the day. You know, we Gators had incredible games there. We won one, I believe, in 09 uh, when we beat LSU at night. Other than that, we lost the other two there. Arguably the most difficult place to play. Now it's just, just a big scrimmage. You know, you don't have the fan base. You don't have the the student body like they were all over us. Uh, so, yeah, it's much different. Home field advantage for this season is non-existent. Yeah, so give me some. It's early, but give me some of your sleeper teams, uh, things, your teams that you're watching that haven't necessarily been in the spotlight. We don't know yet because obviously the Big Ten is not playing yet, and Pac-12 hasn't either. Uh, but but are there a couple of programs and teams out there that you're watching, maybe under the radar? Yeah, I think Auburn is a team because I really like Bo Nix. I know they recruit well. I know they have a good coaching staff, and it's time for them to make a run at it. Uh, I think Auburn and the SEC is a team that you have to keep a 
very close eye on. I think Texas is coming back. I don't know if they are back. Uh, they gave up a lot of yards, but that quarterback looks, you know, once you have a dual threat, he's a very Tebow-ish, but, a, you know, very good thrower, but just hard to stop when you have a mobile dual threat guy like that. And I think, obviously, the Ohio State Buckeyes, once they get on the field, that's going to be hard to say they're not one of the top four teams in America right out the right out of the get-go. Well, you know that program because you built it. But, I mean, that's the thing people are saying. It looks like they're going to automatically be inserted in that top five and and and, and will be the one of the two dominant teams. And we'll see how it goes at Clemson and Alabama. Uh, anything concern near you about what Alabama's doing? Not not up not the typical Alabama performance. I know Nick Saban will have them ready. Uh, anything there using in that group? You got Clemson, you got Alabama, you got Ohio State, you got Florida, whatever. Anybody there you think maybe is underrated or overrated? No, I think the best teams in America, once this thing shakes out rather quickly, will be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Florida. And I thought Alabama's performance was fine for the first time out. Extremely talented, obviously always well-coached, uh, and I see them being right there. You know, Those four teams, I think, are going to separate themselves. If they stay healthy and you know, you can see what's happened at Notre Dame, you have COVID, it can just wipe you out. So the discipline of the players and, and, and staying healthy throughout the season. No question about it. As you said, all season, that's uh, one you got to win if you can. So we'll see that change things overnight, and as you point out, has at Notre Dame. Well, okay, the show is coming up. Anything special to watch for? Oh, uh, no, Fox, we were just uh, doing a good job. We're uh, getting ready to go on the road. We, we're going to announce that soon. We're going to go on the road for a few, uh, certainly some Big Ten games down the road. And then we got the Red River Shootout coming up, Texas versus Oklahoma. Um, and we're going to spend some time talking about uh, Sam Ellinger and a lot of Ellinger and the things that he does similar to Tebow when they were together because you keep hearing the, uh, the uh, relationship or the a comparison between the two and something we called reliefs. And those are screenplays attached to run game. Uh, that is very unique. Texas does a great job of it. We did a bunch of it with Tim Tebow. So that's going to be on the show this week. Very good. Looking forward to the big new kickoff with Urban Meyer and the gang. And uh, once again, great to have you back. And thanks to our new listeners at Evergreen uh, on the podcast for the best Fridays in football with Urban Meyer. Coach, we'll talk to you next week. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Well, most of the time, you find him uh, on Fox, NFL Sunday. But occasionally, when he's writing his songs or doing his shtick or doing his family deal, like the Bradshaw Bunch, you might find him on E. You never know where you're going to find TV. We found him today, and it's good to have you on the Best Fridays in Football podcast today. Terry, thanks for joining us. Hey, buddy. How you doing? It's funny you should talk about writing because I'm in the middle of writing a song with Jimmy Geary and I was sitting here and I was thinking about all the times that a woman broke up with me and which was way too many as far as I was concerned 
And I, I remember I, I came up with this line. I told Jimmy, when I called Jimmy, I said, oh, man, have I got an idea for a song? He said, what is it? I said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to cry this time when you leave. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could get to write that new one, which I heard about on the show with your daughter, Rachel. One of your two yeah. daughters, Aaron and Rachel, if you don't mind me just talking for a minute about it. I know you've been no. barraged with people talking about this show. Kit show on E. Yeah. Bradshaw Bunch on Thursday nights. I'm really liking it right now. But this is the last episode, without giving it away, is that Rachel yeah. had a thought she thought was her intended. Looked like she was going to get married, and it all kind of came apart. And I oh, love did the... it ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you warned them. You told them this guy wasn't for real. Right. I didn't trust this guy. Something about him. And I think only a dad has that... Uh, uh, that intuition, if you want to use that word, or the one they tried to get me to say the other day on Fox, and I could, uh, uh, grammatically. <laughs> that's a new, that's a new TV word, that grammatically. I, I saw that. Hey, hey, I understood it. What's the problem? I understood it too. They, they're so, falling yeah. out, and then I realized it's grammatically. And I went, because I told, I told, I told Michael, I said, well, that's grammatically, that's grammatically not. <laughs> I embarrassed myself. Oh, I'm you'll never hear the last of Bradshaw, that. You, oh, no. You are such a goober, man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, this guy, he um, he just, she put out all the effort. And uh, I can notice that he didn't, and he was just enjoying hunting on my ranch. And oh, yeah. Shooting my deer and catching my fish mm -hmm. and bringing his friends up here and I just, I had my antenna up. I was paying attention. Wasn't going to say anything because she loved him, or at least she thought she did. And uh, I was happy because she was finally happy. You know, it's been five years, coming up on six since her husband was killed. Yeah, that was And uh, so she's happy. And then this clown does what he does. And the next, I didn't watch the show. My wife doesn't want to watch it, so we don't watch it. We don't even... Uh, DVR, um, is that it? DVR? Is that you what you got say? it. Yeah, we don't DVR it because she doesn't want to watch herself on TV, and I don't care because uh, I got three loudmouth kids. <laughs> they will <laughs> call Ted. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. But the next week's show is even even better. I really? mean, this guy, he's oh. This guy pays the ultimate price in my, for me. You'll see it. Oh, it's, I can't wait now. I, I, yeah, yeah. He pays the ultimate price. It's pretty funny. I am a typical dad that defends the honor of his daughter. And uh, how dare you do this to my daughter? What happens in the end? But I'll tell you and let, let all our listeners out there know that when he break when he broke up with rachel she thought she thought he was giving her a wedding an engagement ring oh, now how bad is that, oh, that awful. and not only did he not only did he break up with her the following week he was back with his girlfriend who he had broken up whom he had who who whom he had broken up with two other times he went back to her and then they posted on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you call those things. Uh, he held up a baby 
uh, outfit. She's pregnant with his child. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I'm confused. Oh, I'm watching, I I'm watching something right nope. now called Chesapeake Shores, <laughs> you know, on the Hallmark channel. It sounds a lot oh. like that. Oh, my goodness. Go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, when I find out that she's pregnant, uh, it's not a good scene. This is the girlfriend. i got to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good scene. Oh, no God. disrespect to her. But, uh, yeah, he's – and I told Rachel, I said, kind of obvious, babe. He was seeing her while he was seeing you and yeah. leading you to believe one thing and and the whole time he's back with her, sleeping with her, and then she gets pregnant with the baby, and he's then he has to break up with you. That's a that's a sleaze ball. Slam ball you know, right I there. Ever saw one. You you called him yeah, out. You really, saw it coming. Yeah. You called it. You oh, predicted yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so this this show, I don't know how far they're gonna cut it. <laughs> wow. Now I got I to hope watch. They clean, hey, buddy, I hope they clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> well. I will say, and we'll go on to football in a minute, but I really like this show. But yeah. I, the one on last Thursday night that I watched, well, well, the last, I guess it was Thursday night, I got mixed up. The last one when Rachel broke up and broke her heart, and you and her yeah. bonded together very nicely. Right. Uh, you were very patient, right. and I'm proud of you for that. And then at the end, I'll let you explain this next week, uh, the deal on tequila and ice cream. <laughs> I'll be there for you with tequila and ice cream. I'm gonna tequila have to try that one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a good combination. No, but it uh, it uh, it's it's kind of some of the bittersweet, you know. Yeah. It uh, yeah, the heck of this, you know, this pain we're going through. Let's yeah. have a shot. Yeah. Right there. That's How about there. making that's a Bradshaw not... bourbon next time? Would you for crying out loud? I know. Hey, I know. <laughs> Bradshaw Bourbon is doing great. Man. I know. We are we are getting great reviews by all the bourbon sommeliers around the country. So we just got to get through the pandemic, and yeah. we're a long way from that, bub. Yeah, same Normalcy as we know it is still a year away, at least. Yeah. At least this pandemic. This pandemic could lock our lives down for three full years. Yeah. Did you know that? I know. I'm this. Three I, I hope years. I survive it. Oh, you know late. what the heck? I mean, it's a. Uh, hey, you and I both. I'm 72. You're yeah. 71. Are you 71? <laughs> yeah, right. Are you? You're, you're younger. I'm than a me? lot older than you, Terry. Let's leave it at that. Are okay? you older than me? Oh Are yeah, you really? I'm older than you. Yeah, I but it, you were, but we're young at well, heart. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. You're in your you're in your seventies. We're supposed to be dead anyway, according yes. to our kids. Exactly. <laughs> we're beating them. We're yeah, living on borrowed time. So old. Come work out with me, you little punk. <laughs> we're I felt for you doing all that exercise in the pool and stuff in the show. So Woo, buddy, oh, buddy, man. buddy, buddy. Hey, hang on with that exercise. I I did see myself in some stuff uh, promoting it and I went I looked at Tammy and I said, So this is what I've let myself become. She says, what, sweetie? And I said, my fat butt. Look at that stomach. Look at my face. Tammy. And so she starts making excuses. You have rheumatoid arthritis. You have to take these pills. You have to retain a lot of fluid, babe. You, you know that. They told you you were not going to look the same. And I said, BS. And so um, I lost 14 pounds. And, buddy, as, as Howie Long likes to say, it's like taking a cup of water out of the ocean. 
I, Howie's I, always I, there for you. He's Howie. a little too. Yeah. I know he is. Howie, so, you know, Howie's kind of getting on you a lot lately. You know, he's been busting your chops a little bit. I'm, oh, I'm getting a little tired of that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hey, listen. Uh, those guys uh, love me. They do. And, uh, and I love them. We're really close. And it's it's cool. Nobody ever gets upset. Now, they they bust me because I asked for it. <laughs> Buddy, come on. I, I'm always doing something. Now, I didn't wear out those lines last week, two weeks in a row. Yes, I fired did. the coach and the general manager, uh, and they should be fired. They're terrible. I'll fire them again. They won a game, but gee, many Christmas. What a bad football thing. Talk about bad football as we traverse. Is that a good way to say uh, well, it? Well, we actually, we, we actually tra- we transition into this. And, no, uh, we tra- fo- oh, oh, I knew it started with a T. <laughs> Uh, 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 tequila and ice cream. <laughs> tequila. Uh, the LSU Tigers. Oh, uh, how about those Tigers? Joe Burrows, boy, they are horrible. And uh, so that'll be a long year for them. They got no defense and their offense is not much better. Yeah. We're Florida talking to your friend Urban awesome Meyer here week. in this podcast. Yeah. With Urban Meyer, and we're talking yeah. about all that stuff. You know, obviously he does that big noon. You guys are the stars at Fox. You and Urban, uh, and Urban doing really well on a big noon kickoff. And, uh, you know, yeah. uh, I don't think even Urban saw that one coming. When you give up your national champions, Terry, and you give up over 600 yards on defense? Gave up 600 yards of passing, buddy. You're passing alone. How about how about, how about about our boy Mike Leach bringing that, though? Wow. One piece of paper offense into the – SEC and that kid, that quarterback, yeah, that transferred from Stanford, Stanford with one yeah. years of eligibility. Yep, man, I don't know, I don't, I don't know his name. Yeah, I get um, it but, for you. I've been talking about it on the yeah, show today. Yeah, it's but, all right. I, but I, no, I, I fly. But no. that was man alive. That was. I love Mike Mike Leach. We were Jimmy and I were fishing with him in Florida Keys, and it took me about two hours before I said to myself, "Oh." He's got a sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, he's as dry as they come, man. He is. A good guy, but you can tell he's just really, really mathematically analytical. It's yeah. amazing, man, to, to watch a guy with one little piece of paper as his guideline to his offense and just stands over there. And the anal- he has this thing mathematically and analytically set up on this offense, which is just, just amazing. Just amazing. And uh, I didn't get to watch the game. Uh, I didn't get to watch any college football, actually. But uh, I saw the Florida score. That, and we got a – who's our quarterback in Florida? Oh, What's he's the guy. He, uh, Kyle, Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. He's a Heisman guy now. Is he? Did he, he, he start last year? For he, us? he started out in the fourth in the in the Kentucky game. He came in uh, when when yeah. Franks got injured, and and he right. took him to a New Year's Six Bowl. He's playing the best he's ever played. He throws the ball, beautiful ball, yeah. Terry, easy to catch. Yeah, yeah I've watched him. Uh, four touchdown passes yeah. to his tight end, yeah. right down the name, Terry. I know. Kyle yeah. Pitts. I would, Kyle why Pitts. Why doesn't the head? Why doesn't the coach at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take advantage of his three tight ends? Yeah, really. And he told me. He told me. I, you know, I got my guys blocking ten million dollars. Gronkowski's blocking. You yeah. got Brake. You got Howard. 
and you're throwing you're throwing to the guy in the slot and you're throwing to the to Evans. Uh, geez, I heard I you last week. Out. You yeah. were right on spot on. And by the way, the name of the coach, the quarterback is KJ Costello that Mike Leach has got Costello, six hundred twenty-three yards. And did you say yeah. that you went to you went fishing with Mike Leach? Is that what you said? Yeah, I did. Okay. I went fishing with him. What was that yeah. like? Well, I started drinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> It was interesting. <laughs> Definitely interesting. But before the day was over, before the eighth beer took its toll on me, I and maybe it was the alcohol. Maybe it was the beer, buddy. <laughs> I thought, hey, no. this guy does <laughs> He's dry. So dry. But uh Hey, he was so dry, Terry. It. He was so dry you had to drink yeah. eight beers. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I apologize to all our listeners out there. I, I, I don't even drink beer, but I did that day. <laughs> now, say, you don't usually drink that much beer. You, you drink, a, you no, chug along everything else, but you don't drink much beer. <clears throat> no, I'm a bourbon guy. I like, I I like it's to smooth. sip on bourbon. It's smooth. Yeah, so here's what mm. we got, Terry, since you're a Gator. Uh, yeah. You honorary Gator. Yeah. Dan Mullen sent you that jersey with uh, Bradshaw oh, yeah, on I'm, the back of it, number 12. Buddy. Buddy, I got my jersey on right now. Every time I do the podcast, well, this is not oh. a podcast, but it's a podcast. Show, it's a podcast. Is it a podcast? Yeah. Okay. It's I a... always, I always think a podcast. We both can see each other, but that's zooming. That's not. Yeah, I got. They well, see it's you. It's a podcast audio. People okay. been asking yeah. for you. Wanted to know when the great TV is coming. I said he'll get here eventually. Oh, yeah. The great one. The great one. He'll be here, and <laughs> this is called the best yes. Fridays in football, which we do every yeah. week. Well, and, you're. Hey, Bob, you're hosting it. Nobody knows college football better than the Martin. I'll well, tell you right now. Thank you for that. Boudreaux knows his college football. Boudreaux actually uh, knows his professional football. And you're kind of my John Zarnecki of college football. You know, John Zarnecki, our insider at Fox, he's got more connections than anybody at Fox. And they, they use very little of his stuff. But, man, he's, we've got Jimmy calling him, Howie calling him, I call him. And we'll call John Zarnecki like we call Buddy Martin and say, hey, buddy, what's with uh, LSU? I see this, this, this. Am I right or wrong? No, you're right. But here, add this. And that's where that's where you were invaluable when we were at CBS together. It was just the insight, just the insight, all the people you know. You're like that ugly guy on ESPN whose ears, if they flap, he'll start flying. What's that guy's name? Which one? There's several ugly the, ones on ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> Not the, Kirk Herbstreit. The bald-headed guy. The, oh. Michael, the, the bald-headed dude with ugly, ugly human being. What's his name? Oh, you He's don't on like, ESPN. The guy does the gambling, Chris? The no, no. He's an insight. He talks. He's the Alabama. He's from Alabama, maybe. Oh, or, yeah. He's I, bald. I, He's on... Got glasses on. I have to think you about that You had him one. on your show I all did? the time, buddy. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. You didn't make him out of Fine bomb. Fine oh, bomb. Fine bomb. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's yeah. an ugly man. That's yeah. not an attractive guy. No way he can be married. No way. He's got to be to be that ugly and married. You better have a lot of money, my friend. A lot of money. I've got to make sure Paul's <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> And back to Zarnecki. Hey, 
This is what this is crazy. I, I do a deal where I rate the horse trainers, buddy. I know I'm going everywhere here. It's all right. And anyway, I got this. I got this one buddy of mine. Oh, it's not a buddy, but a, he's a friend now. He's a friend now. Steve, his name is Steve Ferguson. He's really good horseman. Really good horseman. So I'm when I rated all my uh, top ten trainers, I made him eleventh. And I say, just a little fat, ugly guy from Tyler, Texas. I said, nobody pays him any attention. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't hear from him. I heard from his wife. <laughs> I bet you did. Funny. Hey, Terry, I did. did you say yeah. Tyler, Texas? Yeah. That's yeah, where, that's where Kyle Trask is from. Uh, this is area oh, out there. Get Tyler. out of here. Yeah, he's actually played for Manville. He and the quarterback from Miami. Um, uh, Derek King uh, both played for uh, Manville, but uh, really? anyway, yeah. So Tyler, Texas, that's a Texas quarterback mm-hmm. down here, and this kid's good. I Tyler want you to do me a favor. Campbell. Yeah. yeah, do What's me a that? do me a favor. I want you to when you get the chance me? to watch you and Jimmy or whatever some evaluation on Kyle Trask. Now he's he looks like a legitimate Heisman candidate. We'll put it like that. Yeah, uh, and Kyle Tra- Kyle Pitts, the matchup nightmare for anybody that plays the Gators now. When's the last time you heard of a tight end catching four touchdown passes in one game? Oh, I've never heard of that. I haven't all. either. I mean, no. It's no, amazing. not at all. How big how big is this tight end? Is he more of six, an H back? Is he a no. is he a no, he's a big boy. He's huh? a big six five, six six, um, you know, two twenty five, two thirty. I'll get you his exact okay, he's dimensions. Not heavy. So, he's not, he's no, not, he's, he's built. Not he's a hybrid. He's a, he's a hybrid. That's what I just said. But, yeah. but did you I'm sorry. I missed that. I, I said, that. Is, is he not a H-back no. hybrid back? No, he's not. Oh, he's no. a hybrid. He's not, okay. a, he's not an H-back, but he can block. He's strong. He's fast. Block. He gets okay. separation. He goes after the ball. No. He, can, he, can beat, he can beat linebackers. He can beat safeties. He is an amazing player, Terry. Somebody's going to draft okay. him in the first round high. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Tight ends with speed. Uh, maybe it'll be Tampa Bay and they'll have four guys that can sit <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> Ouch. Listen, us, 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 us fans down here in Tampa, we want to see some of this stuff. Now, what do you – you saw the Bronco game, I'm sure. Maybe you didn't. Uh, you saw Brady. No, I didn't. Okay. Well, anyway, so yeah. the, the, yeah. were you, they used the tight end a little bit more. I'm with you on that. You got they, Gronkowski They music. did. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he – I think he had well. I know for a fact he'd caught. He had four, four mm-hmm. balls thrown to him before the Denver game. He caught two of them for I don't know five yards, and then the other the other day in, in Denver, uh, he threw the football mm-hmm. to Gronk more. I I don't know his final stats uh, in that game, but and, hey, listen, and it also could be this this coach at Tampa Bay is. He's a wide receiver guy. When he had Ben and Luck and Peyton, um, you know, he throws the football. You know, he likes to throw it down the field mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But, I mean, Tom's Tom's last 10, 12 years in this league have all been through the tight end and the and the slot back. And uh, this guy's going to take Tom Brady and make him throw it to Evans and force the ball down the field. And then I even said this on the air. I said, well, now we know why Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions. Because when you constantly are throwing the football, I know I threw a lot of interceptions, but we throw it down the field. You, you Down the field. There's only three routes down the field. There's the corner. Well, there's, yeah, there's the corner. 
There's the post and there's the post end. It's the end route, the post route, and the post corner route, the corner of the end zone. So it's a flag route. They call it a flag down, left, right, up. And that's it. So there's, or you can run a hook or you can run an O cut, an out route, down and out. You can run out and up. You can run a hook. You can run a quick slant. So there's, there's inside routes and then there's outside routes and you'd call a corner, an outside route, a, you would call the old cuts or the sideline route an out route. That's it for throwing outside. Everything else is inside. So if you're throwing inside, inside the numbers, every receiver's coming, you're going to have more interceptions. You better have a strong arm, and the guys you're throwing to better better have a step on their people, or you're going to, you're going to get picks. Ball's going to be batted up in the air, so on and so forth. But this guy has always had quarterbacks with double-digit interceptions. That's because he throws it down the field. In comes Brady, and I said, well, they'll put that tight end offense in. And I think it's like most coaches, when you when you challenge them with what they should do as you think they should do, uh, they don't want to hear that, and they get mad at you, and they think, who do you, you know, what do you know? And I said, well, I'll tell you what I do know. I've got four Super Bowl rings. That's what I do know. No, How many you know. got? None. <laughs> and, then the, and then the championship game when you were – were with um, against Carolina uh, when you came in from Arizona and you had Carson Palmer. How many interceptions did he throw in that game? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? I think it was four. Look it up for me, buddy. I think it was okay, four. I think you're right. He may I have thrown five. I think it was four, but I'll look it so up. What does that tell you about that offense? Fun when it's working against inferior talent. Mm. Oh, boy, it's good. But man, when you, when you match up and it's it's uh, with equal talent. It's a different story. Yeah, it is. And I like the coach. I like him. He's Bruce Arians. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. But I can't be doing my job if I sit here and suck up to these no. coaches and not tell Absolutely. them. No, I just can't do it. That's so why we so. love you, TV. That's why you've been on TV for thirty years. Could you tell it like it is? By the way, yeah. Kyle Pitts is six yeah. six two forty, and fast and has great oh. hands. So just remember, Kyle Pitts. Hey, hey. Uh, speaking, well, I know one thing. He's got that thing rolling in Florida. That Mullins guy can coach. Mullins, so what else yeah. he can do, man? He can have – what did I say? You Didn't said I Mullins? Say Mullins? Yeah, but that's okay. okay. We I know thought what you, you meant. corrected me. Sorry. What? What's his name? What's Dan Mullins. Again? You know him. He's your personal friend since oh, you're in Jersey. Dan oh, Mullins. Oh, I put an S on it, didn't Yes, I? you did. It's kind of like – Mullins. Yeah. I said Mullins. Like, yeah. Got yeah, you got okay, to get it grammarly correct. I just basically <laughs> was hoping there would be more than one Dan Mullen. There's only one so Dan good. Mullen. He's the coach of the Gators, and only they won 22 Dan. games, and they're on their way. Yeah. This could be their year. We'll see. Yeah. Let's don't get too far we'll ahead see. of ourselves. But They got Georgia. I think this is the year they'll take care of Georgia. That's what they got to do. On the 7th of November, yeah. that's the red, that's the red yeah. letter date right there. 7th yeah. of November. And no. they also, you know what, I may fly down for that game. Come on, man. Come on, man. Is it, on. In is it in Georgia? Jacksonville, always. One of your favorite cities, Jacksonville. Oh, man. I had I had a big concert in Jacksonville. We sold out that that stadium. Wow. 70-something thousand people came to hear the Blonde Bombers sing. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. That was in a dream. <laughs> I was going to say, who are you playing with, the Beatles? <laughs> hey, don't be a smart ass now. <laughs> don't forget, I got feelings. <laughs> 
Oh, it's good to catch up with you. I don't want to keep you too long because you got an important meeting. I, I love talking with you, catching up. I, I don't have we... a board meeting. I, a board meeting around here. Bank meeting. We're just sitting on a two-by-twelve talking <laughs> about horses. I have a ba- my My banker, or actually all my bankers, and we're having an investment meeting today, and they're oh. flying in, and they're, they landed uh, – well, they're landing at nine. They'll be here at nine thirty, and I got to go get ready. And, All right. Well, I just wanted get, to say, get, can you give me? I got to go doctor up my doctor up my taxes. <laughs> loan me money. <laughs> well, <clears throat> the dollar I pay you, by the way, well, for being on this show, you go ahead oh, and invest yeah. it, okay? You want to put it yeah. out right now? Okay. So, but I wanted to hey, say, hey, I'm going to make my <clears throat> hey, buddy, yeah. buddy. Buddy, buddy, yes, like yes. I learned in New York City, walking out of the Wilson Club with oh you at two a.m. in the morning, yes, and the and the young African American <laughs> guy stopped us coming down the street, down the steps. Remember this? Yo, Terry. Hey, hey, Terry. Yo, Yo Terry. Terry. Uh, what's the greatest? What's the greatest <laughs> nation? And I said, man, that's easy. That's the United States. He said, no, man, it's a donation. <laughs> Loan me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to tell the rest <laughs> of the story because. The next oh, the rest year. of the story, we're crossing Fifth. Yeah, we're crossing Fifth Avenue, and the guy's pushing his cart with his home. That's his home, and he spots you and I walking across, going to buy a tie. And he goes, "Up, uh, oh, Terry Bradshaw." Sure, he spins his home around on his cart and starts walking with us. He said, "Let me ask you something, brother." I said, "What you got, man?" He said, "What's the greatest nation?" I went, "What do you guys do?" Y'all go to a class to learn all this? I said, that's you know, that'd be the uh, that'd be a donation, bro. And he went, Wah! he started screaming, reaching, remember, buddy, reaching his pocket. And oh, he had a cup full of change, money. Terry. Remember that? He had a cup full yeah. of change, and he turned it over in your hand. He tried to, yeah, I said, here. I said, oh, no, man, take that money. And I gave him, you know, we gave him, what, five or ten bucks? Yeah. And I said, no, I mean, it blew his mind that we knew what it was. But you missed the line, <laughs> Terry. The theory was that after he turned over the cup of change in your hand and gave it to you, he said, the brother's been working the streets. Yeah. <laughs> funny, man. Funny, uh, funny, funny. You can't make that stuff up right there. You can't make folks. it up. Give me a pick on uh, on uh, on the, the on uh, on the Chargers and the Broncos, and I'll let you go. Seven well, point now the Herbert is playing pretty good. You got Driscoll, a quarterback who's from Florida, went to transfer to Louisiana. Didn't play well. He's, probably, he's not going to start. He didn't play well yeah. last week. But, but the, well, he played well. When I'm he talking was about the Chargers and the Bron- and Chargers and the uh, and the Bucks, right? Oh, the Buccaneers yeah. and the Chargers, Chargers and the Buccaneers, Bucks, yeah. Bucking. Yeah, the Buccaneers are beating by ten. All right. Well, they're seven and a half point favorites yeah. in that game. So, well, then I wasn't far off. Can we get some yeah. of Terry's money if we win that one? Because you're giving it away on the show all the time. Oh my God, they got two hundred fifty thousand of my money. We're, <laughs> we're. I'm not. I've never had two hundred fifty thousand dollars any any time of my life. This is. They had. They forget, buddy. I played in the seventies. <laughs> That's true. That was like a ten year salary had, for you. We got. We yeah. We got jobs in the off season to pay rent. <laughs> you sold cars. None. I sold cars, exactly. I sold cars. I was a welder for a, a Hikalog Diamond Bit Corporation. I did the welding. Um, I did fishing. I was a fishing guide for four weeks, but I lost that job because nobody caught any fish. <laughs> you got to be. <laughs> uh, what else was I? Then I became a, um, well, I was a used car. I was a new car salesman. Then, oh, I became a fleet guy where I sold trucks. fleets of trucks. Yeah. And I like that. I was salesman of the, of the month 
one year I sold 17. And I actually enjoyed that. I didn't like the hours. I didn't like going to work at seven, getting off at seven. And I didn't like working on Saturdays. I, I was still playing football, I had to work out, but it was a, um, it was a learning experience. I had actually gone back to college. I needed three hours. You believe that, buddy? I needed three hours yeah. to graduate. Yeah. And uh, so I, I had to go to school and uh, drive over to Tech, go to this one class, uh, I don't know, two or three days a week. And, uh, and then I had a little bitty apartment. Remember a guy played at Georgia, tight end, Dennis Hughes. I do remember Dennis and Hughes. Dennis, yeah. Dennis came over and enrolled at Louisiana Tech with me. Uh, to finish up school, we got all his grades transferred, and uh, boy, he was something else. What a, what a cool dude he was. I, I, I wish I'd like to know where he is. Hmm. Dennis Hughes, God, he's got to be my age, and uh, really fast. Well, let's put an That's APB out for him on this on this podcast. Hey, Dennis, we got five or six yeah, listeners. Dennis, Dennis Hughes. Dennis Hughes. Also, buddy, for all of. All our all our uh, podcast family out there, yep. even though you're not a, a Steeler fan, fan, I I want all of uh, all of you to pray for a dear dear teammate of mine, Mike Wagner, who's uh, fighting uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm. Um, what an awesome awesome friend. Sorry, um, that's a t- that's a tough one. That is a tough. I one. talked to him for forty five minutes last last week, and he said. Uh, he, I said, what did you play at? He said, 195. I said, what do you weigh right now? He said, 138. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going up to see him, and he said, he said Brad, you're not even going to recognize him. Oh, I said, oh, I know, I know that voice. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be hard, anyway. Terry. I'm sorry if you had to go through oh, that. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Listen, thank so, you for spending anyway. some time with us. I know it's been right. really busy Next for you. Next week, I'm back. You're back. TV's back on the best be, Fridays in football. All right, I'll be I'll be highly intellectual next week. No, don't do that. <laughs> okay, I just, won't. That's just impossible. be grammarly. That's all you got to do. All right. Hey, I will. Hey, I will grammatically be there. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> love you, buddy. Tell your little skinny wife I send her. Oh, she's gonna love you. Some, <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> tell her to put some clothes on. Stop running around naked in the house. That's <laughs> okay. no good. No, I don't. Not when do you're that. eighty, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On Press Box Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access. Andy Billman, executive producer, is kind of home licking his wounds over his oh. beloved Cleveland Indians. Uh, tough loss there for your Indians, pal. It was not good. Um, Delion DeShields can't stay on his feet. Brad Hand, who I was nervous about, and many Indians fans are nervous about all year, finally had his Jose Mesa moment in the ninth. It was awful. And on top of it, if it, as anybody doesn't know, the Indians fans for Ray, for Chapman and many other reasons, which I won't get into today, do not like the Yankees. That is our rival by far. 
There's a lot of history behind it. So to lose the Yankees is extra stinging. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's the limit to your wine. You get 15 seconds. That's it. <laughs> Meanwhile, my Tampa Bay Rays survive. Uh, have you ever heard of the Tampa 2 defense? You heard I have. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the optimistic Buck fans are kind of rooting for their own version of that called the Tampa Triple Crown. Lightning has won the Stanley Cup. Yep. The Rays could be headed to the World Series and – Maybe the Gators could, uh, although it's 130 miles away. And, of course, they're optimistic about their bucks. So we'll see. But it's one thing to talk it, another thing to walk it, another thing to put your money on the line. What this uh, segment, we don't have a name for this. So I was thinking we should either call it Loser's Walk, (laughs) Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is, Don't Bet Your Life on It, or Andy's Candy. I don't know which one. but. Like Andy's candy. That's pretty funny. Andy's candy. So making money, eating candy. So I think you're going to focus primarily on the SEC. I don't know. And maybe a couple of – look, we don't have to do a balanced schedule. We don't care about, you know, San Francisco and the Rams and whatever. Only if they're playing the teams we follow, which are in Florida, of course, and and your beloved Browns. I don't guess you root for the Bengals. No. no, So here we go. So let's give me – I want to make some money. This week, so how about give me some Andy's candy? <laughs> there, the one line. There's, there's one outside the South, but we're gonna get to the South first. I do like Florida. Um, you're gonna have to give 17 and a half. I would give 17 and a half against South Carolina at home. I think that's a very. It's not a home run. You're feeling great. Put your feet up. But I think you're feeling good. The home run, putting your feet up game, buddy. To me, is Bama. They're, they're giving 17 and a half as well. As we were just saying, 17s are in play this week. I would give the 17 and a half after what we saw against Vanderbilt with the, with AM. I at home, Tuscaloosa. I know there won't be any crowd. Obviously, there'll be some, but I, buddy, I really like Bama in this game. The 17 and a half. I, I would put my feet up. I think I think it could be easily you know 20 plus in this game. That well, is my I can't disagree with you on that because certainly AM didn't show us anything. Probably should have lost to Vanderbilt. I mean, yep. pretty, almost did. Uh, Alabama had its moments of difficulty, but Alabama will be fine. We'll see what happens there. So I'm with you on that one. I think I agree. I think Alabama is going to more than cover that spread. But the game I'm intrigued by is this oldest rivalry in the South, yep. as they call it, which is Georgia Auburn. And I'm not sure they don't have the wrong favorite. It's interesting. Um, you, you, you tip me off. I always like picking one dog, and I would pick Auburn this week. Auburn is Auburn. It's the same old. Very good defense. Um, they play opt- opportunistic. They have a lot of athletes, as we all know. And Georgia, I watched a lot of the Georgia game. I know they have their quarterback they want in there now. I, I really do like Auburn in this game. Um, I think Auburn's going to win outright. Um, I, 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 like, I, would give, I would take the six and a half as Auburn on the road. It's not going to be your typical road game here in the oldest rivalry in the South. Um, I like Auburn. I really do. I like, I, I'm impressed. I'm a Miles Allen guy. Um, I would, and I don't think Auburn played great against Kentucky, buddy. So I think they could play better and beat Georgia. All right, so here's the deal. We agreed so much. Everybody who heard these picks, take it and do the opposite, and you'll do better. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you took my line. Here, <laughs> to go out, to stay in the South, but going to the other, the other numbered league, the Big 12, mm-hmm. if, you wanna, if you want one, I, I watch TCU and watch Texas. I'm a big believer in momentum, buddy. Texas had a great win against Texas Tech. They came back late. They had one of those 99 percentile. They were supposed to lose games. They came back and won overtime against the Red Raiders. I would give the 12 and take Texas over TCU. I think TCU, 
it's not there. You know, they had a lot of COVID issues. I think, and Patterson's a good coach. I just, I really like, I'm a big momentum guy, senior quarterback. After a win like that, I think Texas will more uncover. All right, back your truck up and get all those picks in. And we got about 35 seconds to do the Bucks and Browns. What you got? Um, I'm going against both teams that we like. Uh, I would take the Chargers. I think the Chargers will keep it close. The Bucks are giving seven. I would take the Chargers. I love the Browns. This kills me. Someone whisper it. Take the Cowboys. You're going to give up four and a half, and I think the Cowboys are going to more in cover. I hope I'm wrong, but I got to be honest. I don't think the Browns are going to win that game. That's what you call a loyal and veteran gambler rooting against himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you, you play with your head in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. We're here about the wallet, not about the heart. It's about the money. It's about the money. It's about Andy's candy every week <laughs> right here on this program with Andy. Andy Bellman, great to have you on. We'll talk to you next week. Time now for Buddy Martin's two-minute warning. Last week, I saw a unicorn. I really did. Four times, Florida tight end Kyle Pitts was dancing in the end zone against Ole Miss. It was beyond impressive. It was suggested by my friends and associates that perhaps I should pump the brakes on my nomination of Pitts for the Hall of Fame after only one game in 2020. Matter of fact, earlier in this recording of Best Fridays on Football Podcast with Urban Meyer, as I was extolling the magnificent display of Pitt's talents and his four-touchdown binge against Ole Miss, I could sense Coach Meyer's disdain in his voice about my sophomoric overreaction. As he said, buddy, I saw the highlights. Sorry, Coach, these tired old eyes, however, have seen most of the great players who ever came through Hogtown, as we sometimes call Gainesville. Pitts may be one of those generational players, or at least will be by the time he finishes and becomes the first tight end or hybrid drafted by the NFL this next year. But like Urban suggested, perhaps I should take a beat. I'm not just here to extol the virtues of Pitt's considerable talent, but also to forecast his ascent. That's what true visionaries do. Before I back down here, let me just point out that maybe we should not be so quick to dismiss Pitt's performance as just good or ordinary. After all, how many times have you ever heard of a so-called tight end catching four touchdown passes, count them four, in a single game? Nobody I know had. I remembered a couple. Kellen Winslow once caught five in the NFL. Mike Ditka, four, only ones I can remember. Only Hall of Famers or maybe the two greatest tight ends in history need to apply here. Matter of fact, four touchdown receptions in the game has been accomplished only three times in Florida football history. Jack Jackson, 1994 versus New Mexico State. Ike Hilliard, 1995 versus Tennessee. Kyle Pitts, 2020 versus Ole Miss. Greatness often comes in pairs. If I were ever going to use that term great next to Kyle Pitts' name, it would be partially because of the other half of that dynamic duo, which I call K2K. Quarterback, Kyle Trask. As you know, Ruth and Gehrig, Stockton and Malone, Gator fans remember Spurrier and Casey, Reeves and Alvarez, Werfel and Doring, Hilliard or Anthony, Trask and Pitts. Right now that might sound absurdly premature, but Trask and Pitts are formidable and greatness could ensue. After a championship season, perhaps, here I go. Those sugar plums are starting to dance in my head again. Thanks to all you people making this best Friday in football 
podcast possible thanks to the Gatorbait Lighthouse Builders. Truth, honor, and dignity. Dr. Jim Duke, the Orthopedic Institute. Sissy Long, in memory of her beloved Chuck. Lauren Meadows, in Ohio, rooting for the Gators and for equality. Jeffrey Meldon, Meldon Law, where you matter most. Max Steen, former Gator captain, pulling for Coach Mullen, but always keeping the 69 Gators in his heart. Jeff Ulmer, loyal to the Gators, the Hatters, Gatorbait, and the Ocala Quarterback Club. And the Ocala Quarterback Club, sponsors of the Scott Bradley Trophy, Mike McGinnis, captain. And finally, thanks very much to the folks at Renstar Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. Thanks to Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw, director Brendan Martin, executive producer Andy Billman, and the good folks at Evergreen. I'm Buddy Martin. See you next time on the Best Fridays in Football. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.